we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? You guys look good? Great. Okay. How about that wedding yesterday, huh? Woo! That was something. All right, congratulations to Carson Wentz and his bride. They looked, am- looked, am- looked amazing. Well, we're continuing in a series called Greater, and uh, we've been talking about Joseph and for just looking at Joseph's life and, and God's faithfulness to that and God's great plan being uh, revealed through that story through the passages of uh, Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50. Um, and last week, we kind of, Bob kind of led us through uh, Joseph's encounter in Potiphar's household. And uh, we saw that no matter what Joseph goes through in his life, the Bible makes it clear that God is with Joseph. Whether he's on the mountaintop or in the valleys, like God is with Joseph. God never leaves Joseph. And so we see that last week we kind of ended with that scene where Joseph was faithful in the face of temptation, but his reward was not blessing. His reward was not something good happened after that, but his faithfulness to God and God's word and to what God had called him to be actually landed him in prison. And we've had a guy in the last couple of weeks who was faithful to God's call and that landed him in prison. So we find that this, this following Jesus is going to make everything perfect and dandy is not, is not a truth. Is that it means that we will go through trials even in our faithfulness. Even in saying, Lord, I want to honor you, we are going to see some, some trials. So we, we catch up with Joseph. He's thrown into this dungeon, the Bible says, and he's in prison. But Joseph and his character and who Joseph is, he is quickly promoted even in the prison. That the Lord was with Joseph so much so that the warden was like, hey, listen, I don't need to worry about anything. Joseph, you run the jail. And so Joseph is, is literally running the prison as a prisoner, and he's assigned to these two men, the king's chief cupbearer and the king's chief baker. And so he's with these two men, and, and, and one day Joseph, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 40, notices that they look dejected, that they look sad. Joseph asked them, why are you sad? And they say to him, Joseph, we, we had these dreams yesterday. We had these dreams last night, and, 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 and they're troubling because no one can interpret these dreams. So they ask Joseph to interpret these dreams. Joseph says, Joseph says to them, doesn't interpretation belong to the Lord? And Joseph starts to interpret. So these guys have these dreams. Joseph looks back. God speaks to Joseph, and Joseph says, hey, I hear Laurel, not Yanni, but Joseph, no. That's, <laughs> Joseph gives them an answer, says, I am going to respond to your dreams. And, and here, this is something that we need to hold on to for the rest of the sermon. Are we just singing that? It is well with my soul, regardless of the situation. Joseph is O in two when it comes to pre- uh, interpreting dreams. At this point, Joseph's dreams, his two dreams have not come through. So Joseph, I don't know where he gets the confidence to even know that this happened. Joseph, you're in prison. No one's bowing down before you. Why would you say, hey, let me, let, me, let me take a look at this? And that's because Joseph's confidence in God is not determined by what God has done for Joseph, but who God is. Amen, church. Amen, amen. We can, we can applaud that because the reality is, church, we are being called to live that way. The question this morning before we dive into these verses is that 
Is your confidence in God, is that determined by what God has done for you lately? Or is that determined by who God says he is? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this morning, Lord. As we dive into this passage and this, and this, and this, and this chapter, Lord, may you remind us that this is not just a story. Remind us, Lord. Father, I pray that this morning you have prepared our hearts to hear this word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. Hide the speaker, Lord. May you be the loudest voice in this room. I pray, Lord, that we would receive this. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Amen. And so when we catch up with the story, Joseph interprets these dreams, and we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 40, uh, verses 14 to 15, if you have your Bibles. Genesis 40, 14 to 15. Joseph, before he interprets these dreams, has one request. We're going to read that, that one request. Joseph says in verse 14, he says, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Joseph says, hey, listen, he's only really speaking to one guy, because the other guy, he's going to say, hey, listen, you're going to die, your, your flesh is going to be eaten by crows, that's what I'm saying. But the other guy says, you're going to go free. Hey, yo, cupbearer, please, one request, just remember me. I don't want anything, just remember me. And here's chapter 40, verse 23, it ends with this line. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So we look at this passage. Joseph has one request of this guy. He says, you know what? The Lord's going to reveal this to me, and I'm going to interpret your dreams. Just remember. Don't forget me. And Joseph is forgotten. It's like, think about Joseph is collecting issues. Like, I mean, from the time we start opening this passage from this 17-year-old who was abandoned by his brothers, they plotted to murder him, threw him in a pit, he sold into slavery, he goes to Egypt, a land where he doesn't know the language, has to learn the language, he's promoted in that, in that household, and then when things look like they're going well, he's faithful, Potiphar's wife also looks at Joseph and says, I like you too, and then she goes, and, and then she, she, she tries to seduce him, he resists her, and then she says, hey, this guy tried to rape me, he goes to jail, Joseph's collecting issues and he has one more to add to that list he's forgotten now church I don't know if you've ever been forgotten I don't know if any of us deal with that feeling of being invisible I know a lot of people walk around with that no one ever notices me I've been forgotten I was always the last one who was called up you know, I, I kind of went through that in my own life. I had an overachieving older brother who I bring up way too, too often, but um, that's an issue, right? That's some baggage there. Um, but the reality is that feeling of being forgotten is very real to me. And you know, at church, if we really think about this, when Joseph goes into the story, he goes, he, he, is, he is forgotten. He is forgotten by this man with this one request. And some of us in this room, right? We feel that scar and that, that wound of being forgotten. It's, it's opened up again and again when someone else forgets us. When someone else calls us, hey, buddy, hey, champ. Like, you're like, my name's Rob. Right? You're still walking in a small group. You don't have a name. You just have this thing. And we see that he's forgotten. You know, we're going to talk about baggage, so you can put that in your back pocket. But the reality is, church, we, we, we have scars and we have things that we collect through life 
You know, one of the things I, I mentioned before, like I was collecting this forgotten, uh, forgotten kind of baggage with me all my life. And four years ago, uh, I, I came to the United States. Four years ago, I came here, I landed in Doylestown. But something unique happened in that, in, that, in that situation. Two weeks after I landed here, another Zimbabwean, who also has the same type of melanin as me, came as well. Now, I promise you guys, this was not any of our doing. There wasn't a conference in Zimbabwe. There isn't a billboard in Harare that says, Doylestown, Pennsylvania, <laughs> the place where every Zimbabwean's dreams come true. <laughs> And pharmaceutical representatives. No. No, it was, it was just the Lord. But we ended up in the same place. And, and for those first few years, <laughs> people used to thank me for the music, right? People would come up to me and say, oh, thank you for the music. And I remember one particular Christmas, 2015. I don't know if you're in here, uh, lady, I forgive you. We're all good. I love you. But um, she tapped me on the shoulder. She walked in, and she was happy. It was Christmas Eve. And she tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, oh, you're not doing the music today. And as soon as she did that, Shalom walked up and said, good evening, church. And <laughs> she could not look me in the eye. <laughs> like, she was so embarrassed. But it happened time and time again. And let me tell you this, I mean, I can laugh at it now, but the reality is that because I had some forgotten baggage in my past, every time that would happen, it would bring something up. Hey, no one remembers you. Doesn't matter, Rob. No one's going to remember you. And it brought up some stuff. And we see here, Joseph is collecting stuff. And church, I want you to know this, in this, in this passage, we can think that the chief cupbearer forgot Joseph just because he forgot him, but the reality is that it wasn't the right time to remember Joseph. Right, that God's, we, we have to be patient for God's timing. God knows that Joseph is in a dungeon. He's gonna keep him, he's gonna sustain him. God knows where you're at. I'm a young adult pastor, this is like one of the main messages that I, that I preach. Hey, listen, God knows you're single. God knows you're not married. Be patient. Don't compromise. Wait on the Lord because he has greater at the right time. The cupbearer remembers Joseph at the right time. God has greater for us as we wait on him. And so we see that Joseph here, you know, his identity is in, is in, who, is in, is in God. We see that by his confidence in God. And church, even for us in this room, well, we struggle with this. Some of us, we are still trying to find our identity in the affirmation of, of man. Someone saying, hey, I remember this, but it is enough for us and should be enough for us to know that God does not forget us. And it is enough to know that God knows your name. He doesn't call you buddy. God knows your name. He knows every hair on your head if you have hair. <laughs> but God knows your name. And we see this in, the, in, in this passage that as Joseph is in prison for two years, can you imagine every day of those two years thinking, is today the day the cupbearer will remember me? For two years in a dungeon that he didn't deserve to be in. And we see at the right time, at the perfect time, it says that Pharaoh has a dream. He has two dreams and no one can interpret them. He is troubled. He calls all the wise men in Egypt. He calls all the magicians and he says, none of them, the Bible says, none of them can interpret these dreams. And that is when 
the cupbearer remembers a guy that he met in prison, Joseph, who got the dreams right. And so we catch up with this in chapter 41. In chapter 41, verses 14 to 16, we see that Pharaoh calls Joseph. He summons Joseph and it says this. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to, to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. And here's Joseph's answer to that. I cannot do it. Hey, Pharaoh is like, this is the most powerful man Joseph's ever stood before. I don't know. If you were standing in front of the most powerful man in the world and he said, hey, listen, I need you. And I heard that you're good at this. I heard you can do this. Is our response like, yeah, 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 I can. <laughs> Joseph says, I can't do it. I cannot. But he says, God, God can. God will give you the answers you desire. The reality is that if you look at that one line, I cannot do it, you will find out that that will tell you how Potiphar knew that the Lord was with Joseph. Is that God, Joseph gave God the glory even before anything happened. He led with giving glory to God. He led with giving glory to God. You know, sometimes church, that, that, that phrase, I cannot do it, it is... It is the most un-American phrase in the world, right? Like, I cannot do it. And I wish, I wish the, the, my, my first haircut in Doylestown, the lady would have just said, I cannot cut your black hair. I cannot cut black hair. I needed a haircut straight after that haircut. I cannot do it needs to exist in us. And church, here's the deal. The Bible says this. Jesus says this. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to say it. The Bible says, Jesus' words says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now let's just say that word maybe together. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus says this. Like, but you know what? We are self-sufficient, right? We know we can, we can do all things. We even quote that verse, but the end of that verse tells us something. It says, through Christ, you can't do anything. And you know, because we look at this church and, and the encouragement here is to say that Joseph lives this. I cannot do it. He just interpreted two dreams correctly and still leads with, I cannot do it. You know, Jesus is talking about fruit when he's talking to his disciples. You cannot do anything. You cannot bear any fruit. And church, I, am in a, I work in a job where I know that unless Jesus shows up, this is for nothing, right? I know that I cannot do it. So I've never, I'm yet to meet a preacher that preaches a sermon and walks off stage and goes, ah, I killed it. If there were any non-Christians in there, they're done. They're in the kingdom. In fact, I rededicated my life as I was preaching the sermon. That's how good it was. The reality is we know, I know that I'm in, I'm, I, I work in a place where if we do this in our own strength, it will be messed up. But so should you. In your life, every situation that you are trying to fix by yourself, you are going to strive and keep running like a little hamster in a cage over and over again. It will not go away. You cannot do it. 
You cannot raise your kids up to love Jesus. And if your kids love Jesus and you're taking the credit for that, that is bad. You cannot do it. You cannot transform the lives. These words coming out of my mouth can do nothing without Jesus. Only Jesus can do it. Every area of our lives, church, we need to lead with. If it is something that I know that I feel like maybe I can do in my own strength, I should stop myself in my tracks because I cannot do it without Jesus. We have to remember that Jesus is the only one who can. And that is why God uses Joseph. He is not a glory thief. He trusts the Lord. He trusts the Lord. He leads with God. And so church, as we look at the story, we see that Pharaoh's dreams are very troubling. Joseph interprets the dreams. He tells Pharaoh, this is what your dreams mean. There's going to be seven years of bumper harvest, and then there are going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph addresses the problem. He says, hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get much, and then for seven years, you're going to be without. No, church, we all know the problems in the world. We all know it. I mean, there's not one person in this room, Christian or non-Christian, that would say that we can look at even the shooting in Texas and just look at that maybe and say that that's okay, there's something okay about that. We all say that's evil and that's wrong, that's a problem, we'll know that. We look at multiple tragedies that happen across the world, we can be united in addressing and knowing the problem. But here's the deal, God gives Joseph the solution. He says, here's the problem. A famine is coming, and here's the solution. Joseph goes and tells Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you need to appoint a guy. Hopefully someone who's just come out of jail, that'll be the best. No, but Joseph pretty much describes himself, says you need a discerning man to be the man to lead the charge so that this thing will work out. And Pharaoh says, okay, I take you. Joseph gives the solution. And church, we should not join the world and just talking about the problem, but we should in Christ know that we, if you believe Jesus and you follow Jesus, that you have been given the solution. That Christ is the solution. Do you believe that? So church, we walk around with the solution and sometimes we hide the solution. Sometimes we keep the solution to ourselves until the next Sunday so that we can high five each other with the solution. But the reality is there's a world that needs the solution, not just the problem. And God gives this to Joseph. He shows him this. He shows him this. And Joseph leads the charge. You know, we catch up with the story. As we look here, Pharaoh has these dreams. Joseph gives him the solution. I think Pharaoh, Pharaoh, put, Pharaoh puts a gold chain. I don't know, it might have been a rapper. He put a gold chain on Joseph. Joseph got this new chain, got his chariot. Everyone's bowing down to him. He marries a beautiful woman. Joseph is killing it. Life is good. The light at the end of the tunnel this time was not a train coming to run him over, but it truly was the end of his troubles and his pain. Joseph is living in style. And Joseph is like, I'm out of the woods. And we see here in Joseph's life, we catch up with this passage here in Genesis chapter, chapter 41, verse, verse 15. It says this, Before the years of famine, 
came two sons who were born to, jo- to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Joseph says this. He says, now that I have seen the faithfulness of God in my life, now that I am no longer suffering and struggling, now I can see the plan kind of coming together. I can forget all my issues and all my pain and all my trouble. I don't need to lug it around. You know, the luggage and the, in fact, the baggage that you see on stage is, is pretty much it's pretty much my family when we go on vacation. This is it. There's a lot for, for, for me at least. You saw some of you are saying, that's nothing. You should see us. But this is us. And there's a car seat in there. And, and you know what? The, I wouldn't have any issues with the baggage on stage if it didn't mean that I had to carry all the bags. So every time we go somewhere, I have the car seat on my back. I'm pushing two of the of of of, of like my, my my wife's day one clothes and day two clothes. But I'm I'm pushing them. It's gonna be so mad. She's gonna be so mad with me. But I'm pushing them, and I'm kicking the little the little thing going to the check-in. I'm like, I need to. I just need to get there. I'm like, I'm weighed down by all this baggage, and I I'm like, I just need to get into the check-in place so I can just give them my bags. But in our family, my wife has the baby and she has the baby back. And there's one person in my family that's free at that moment. And it's my four-year-old daughter who's just walking around, waltzing in the airport, <laughs> going, oh, American Airlines, look at you. You got new screens, beautiful. She's like, she's free. What's the rush, guys? I'm just free. I'm not weighed down. She does not get the urgency because she has no baggage and she's free. You know what, church? When I think about baggage, I think about how all of us have baggage. Take it from a guy who has baggage himself. How we carry so much of this stuff. We, we have a bag for every single offense in our lives that has been done toward us. We have, a, we have baggage for everything that, every bad word someone has ever said to us. Every discouragement, we keep it, we hold on to it. We never give it to Jesus. We keep going with it. And we have a bag for every offense that we've experienced in church. Some of us have come from other churches and we came to covenant with our former church baggage. This is what they did to me. And church, you're waiting. As you sit here, you're waiting to collect something to put back in your church hurt baggage. And then you go on Facebook. Oh my, it's a minefield. You can just catch stuff there. More baggage. They don't agree with how I raise my kids. They don't agree with my politics. They don't agree with how I cook chicken. Like everything goes into that bag. And church, we're collecting baggage, baggage, baggage. Some of us in the gym every day trying to work. Baggage, baggage. We're like, oh, stuff that was said to you at a four-year-old birthday party. And the reality is this, church, because I don't want to undermine the baggage. It's real. I started off by sharing how a lady, I mean, there's a big difference between Shalom and I, but um, I, I don't know her story. She might not be, she, she, might have, she might not know. She might be the first time. She might have been here once for 10 seconds. I don't know. But it was my baggage from the past that amplified that situation. And I just packed it in there. 
And church, we're doing this in our lives with every single thing that happens in our lives. Church, if you're saying right now, I have no baggage, then I'm talking to you. You're carrying so many people, so many things, so many words, and there's no freedom. You know, Joseph likens the situation. He says, if God has done this in my life, why do I need to step into the next part of my life with my brothers? With the hurts, with the offense. Church, I'm not minimizing anything. Joseph went through some traumatic things. He was, they plotted to kill him. They threw him in a pit. And yet he says, I can forget that. Now, church, I want to irresponsibly say this, but some of us, church, as the Lord speaks, he's saying, let that thing go. For some of us, it's very deep and, and very real. For some of us, it's, 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 it's big things. For some of us, maybe it's small to others, but it's big to us. And the Lord's saying, let that go. You're out of that. All right, your last church hurts you, but you're in a new church now. All right, say, listen, you had a, an abusive relationship with, with your ex-husband, but the Lord was gracious in that, and he turned something, and now you're in, you're in a different part of life. Why are you carrying that when I have already brought you out of there, and I've blessed you with something new? Why are you carrying things in the past? Joseph lets go. He forgives and he forgets before he even meets his brothers. And church, this is not an easy one-two thing. For some of us, it means going to godly people that have been gifted with the gift of being able to counsel people through breaking off of those, those things that we are carrying with us. For some of us, it's actually for the first time in our lives acknowledging that we're holding onto the baggage and taking it to the foot of the cross. Some of us haven't. And so church, the encouragement in, th in this is to know that Joseph did this, and he says in this passage, he says, the Lord has made me forget. You know, forgetting, I think, is when healing has reached maturity. Joseph forgets. And you know how I know this is because the Lord, it is, it is his heart, it is what God does with our sin. God forgets. We see here, if you read, your, if you read it, you'll read this in, in, um, in Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verse, verse, verse 12, you'll see that God says, he remembers your sin no more. At church, I... I am the first one up here. I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm saying, there's some stuff I just remember. I don't forget. Awaiting the next fight, awaiting the next post, awaiting the next encounter, and I'm holding on to that stuff, and I'm like, I will remember this and add it on to the next argument. Husbands, can I get an amen? You do it. <laughs> you do it. And church, there's not full, he full healing has not occurred there. Now, my daughter asked me this question. She said, Dad, what's the difference between a scab and a scar? And I was like, geez, you're four, and English is my second language. I have no, I, but, I, but I looked, and, I, and this is as, as far as my intelligence could take me, but I said, hey, you know what I think? A scar, for it to become a wound again, 
you have to re-injure yourself. But for a scab to become a wound again, all you have to do is pick it. And it's a wound again. And it's bleeding. And we need to put another band-aid on it. And church, the Lord showed me in my own life that I've been walking saying, I am healed and I for- I've, I've been healed. I, I don't have an issue with that person. And he's revealed that I'm walking around with just scabs. And all it takes is someone to pick it. And it's full blown, it's bleeding. Every emotion, every single hurt comes rushing back. I know that full healing occurs here. When the Lord helps us to forget how we can meet people, look them in the eye, people who said hurtful things, not condemn them, not judge them. We can actually even love them as Jesus asks us to love our enemies. We're able to stand in the same place, in the same room. In our church, this morning, Maybe you came to church and, 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 and you came with your bags and you came with all that baggage and you, you, you pulled it in here, you lugged it and you carry it out and you, every week, week in, week out, you, you come with the baggage and you walk out with it. I believe that this morning the Lord would say this to you, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Some of us, our baggage, we're in here and our baggage stops us from even meeting with Jesus. Some of our baggage has come from the church. Some of our baggage has, be, has come from people who call themselves Christians and yet they hurt us. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be free. I want you to be like that four-year-old in the, in the airport who, doesn't, who has nothing on their shoulders. I want you to be free. Experience this. It's there for you. He says, I never intended for you to carry this church. And you know what, church, maybe we, we've been tough and we think that it's never going to affect us, but now we can see that our baggage is starting to affect our other relationships, our children, how we speak to them, how we speak to our neighbor. God's saying, let it go. Leave it. God is saying, you don't have to carry that anymore. You know what? God thought about your healing and my healing and our restoration way before, way before we ever thought he even noticed us. You know, I, I, love it. I love when the Word of God reveals something to you that you've read a million times and then you're like, geez, I never saw this. As I was reading this passage, I, I wish we were this smart, but I know it's only God who can do this. We're about to take communion. And as I was reading this passage, the Lord just revealed this as I was reading it a little bit slowly. I looked, and Joseph is in prison with the guy who serves the bread and the guy who serves the wine. And in that dream, as he interprets those dreams, Joseph looks to the guy who serves the bread and he says, you are going to be broken. And we see that Jesus says to his disciples, take this bread, this is my body that is broken for you. And we see that Joseph looks at the guy who serves the wine and he has one request, hey, just remember me. And Jesus takes the cup as he gives it to his disciples and he says, drink this, do this in remembrance of me. 
hidden somewhere in Genesis chapter 40 is a message to you and I that the Lord would send his son way before the world even knew him or wanted him or thought of him, that he would say, my son is going to come and he is going to be broken and, he is gonna, and he's going to bleed and his blood is going to set you free like the guy who serves the wine set Joseph free. So if you're not free, I invite you This is an invitation. Had Jesus paid that price and he's already paid the ultimate penalty and he says, my blood will set you free. In fact, Jesus would say in his word that all those who come to me, I will not drive away. So the invitation is, come. If you're weary, if you're heavy laden, come. No more Mr. Tough Guy. Drop the act. Come, bring your baggage. I want to take it. Church, the invitation this morning is, as we look at that bread and look at that wine, I want us in our hearts to remember. And you know what? We left the baggage and we don't have to go to baggage claim this morning. We can walk free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Father, I just pray for those who have been carrying stuff. Some in here, we've been carrying it for six months, some of us a year, some of us a decade, some of us many decades. Lord, I know that the steps to forgiving, let alone forgetting, are difficult. Some of them are long. Some of them are painful. But Father, we're asking that today would be the first step. Help us, Lord. Quiet our hearts. Keep our eyes fixed on you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.